He's got a beautiful backswing. That's, oh, he got all of that one. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. Lay up with an iron into the hazard. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant, you know. What is good, everybody? Welcome into the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. We got a really fun show for you guys today. We're going to revisit our season-long predictions from January 5th of 2022 and see how well we did with some bold predictions, um, things like player of the year predictions. We'll get to all of that later on in the show, guys, but we do have big-time golf this week on the Live Tour up at Live Boston at the International a smaller town, and they're going to have limited crowds, T-Dub, because of the small town. There's nowhere to park and hard to get in and out of there. Um, but I've done a little bit of research on this international course. They might play a combination of the Oaks course and the Pines course there. It's a very old old style course and but it has some wider fairways ever since uh the redesign so we might see for the first time on the live tour some low scores this week and obviously we can get in the field um but what are you looking forward to most about live this week t-dub yeah it seems like it's gonna be a pretty cool golf course guys in all honesty but i'm just gonna look and see you know how how all the big names that went over there just recently especially cameron smith joaquin neiman really highlighting that helm so i'm really just gonna be looking to see how they do dustin johnson you know, they're probably the most up there in the favorite with those two. He's played so well in, in his live events so far. Hasn't finished outside of the top eight, finished second and third the last two. So I don't know, Woody. I, I expect there to be some pretty good golf this week on what looks to be a pretty cool little golf course. I couldn't agree more. And for the first time, you know, we're we're not going opposite anything. It's live. Um, you know, now the, the, the thing that's cool about that is the PGA Tour is taking the next couple of weeks off. So live can really shine right now. And I think those guys that went, I, I was glad to hear what they said. I, I know Harold Barner basically just said, guys, I did it for the money. I did it for looking yep. out for my family for the next uh, 25 years. And uh, good for him. Kudos him that, that he didn't he didn't try to blow smoke up anybody's fanny. He just said, hey, I went for the money. I love what Cam Smith said. He said, hey, it gives me more time to spend in Australia. Um you know, to bash these guys when they're doing what they think is best for themselves, that's just wrong. It's wrong in so many ways. I just I just hate it when I hear these guys getting bashed because they're just doing what they want to do the best for them and their family. A hundred percent. And Varner even mentioned that in his statement. He's like, hate me if you want, but I'm making the best decision for me. Um, so of the guys coming in to live, you have Cameron Smith, Mark Leishman, Joaquin Neiman, Harold Varner III, Cameron Tringali, Honor Bon Lahiri, Kim, and Ortegui. And they take the places of David Pouge, Justin Harding, Travis Smythe, uh, Henny Duplessis, um, so no more Henny on the live this week. And then we have the entire Asian team of Team Torque uh, will be replaced uh, for this event, including Hideto, Tanihara, uh, Kinoshida, uh, Inamori, and Kazuma. So guys, what are you most looking forward to out of those big names? Obviously, let's take Cam Smith out of it for a second. But what about Leishman, Neiman, Varner, Tringali, Lahiri? I mean, guys, Neiman's just been playing such good golf. As of recent, he's finished 11th, 8th, and 13th of the last 
uh, three events, gaining strokes off the tee and uh, gaining a, really a lot of strokes approach to the green. So his his swing and iron, especially irons in particular, have to be really really on point. So I'm I'm really looking forward to him to have a pretty good week. As far as just the other guys who are up there, I also look at I look for Lahiri uh, to see what he's got. Um, Leishman's obviously probably the other biggest name that's in that group, but I'm I, he hasn't been playing particularly well, so I'm, I'm not going to be looking for him. But Lahiri. Showed some form, you know, a couple of times this year. The Players Championship is, is up there, and something I didn't really thought about, guys. I mean, uh, we all talk about Cam Smith and the Players Champion, but Lahiri finished second at that event too. So the players uh, will be missing their one and two players to start that event. That's pretty cool there. But uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. What do you, do you think? This is kind of the last wave of, of bigger guys that are going to go over there. Like I feel like we're going to keep having guys maybe go one at a time you know, just here sparingly, but do you think this is the last wave of six to seven guys you're going to go? Oh, I would say it probably will be, but, but you, you really, you can't do that. The great thing about this wave, we can't tell, we don't know, but I, I think you're right on with that. I think this new wave of guys, when, when Sam, when you listen to the guys that are no longer part of it, I knew maybe one name and right. whereas I'm not a dyed in the wool golfer, I'm pretty dyed in wool. I mean, you know what I'm saying? So, the guys you said are leaving compared to the guys you say are coming. I know all the guys that are coming. I virtually knew nobody that was leaving. And that, that tells you where the live is going. I mean, it is, it is not just exhibition golf. These are some dang good players coming out there. And I don't know if it takes a couple of weeks or what it does to get kind of used to these formats, uh, whether it be shotgun start, 54 holes, I expect all those guys to play well. I really do. But I also expect them to have a really fun week because, you know, there's parties. There's there's a lot going on different than a PGA event. So to pick again, to try to pick a winner is going to be really tough, gentlemen. I'm, I'm sure Sam's going to ask us to. But uh, I think even with that smaller field, to pick the one guy that's going to win is going to be really tough. One thing that I like that Liv is doing this week is it will be a Friday, Saturday, Sunday tournament, and I think that part of that has to be with the fact that college football is you know, beginning mostly this Saturday. There are some Sunday games because of Memorial Day weekend, um, but Labor Day, excuse me, but I, I think that Liv's business model continues to be really, really solid, guys, and we see... Obviously, when's the last time we had meaningful golf other than a Ryder Cup the week before we have NFL football? And then once NFL football starts up, then Liv will move back to Saturday or different times that best suits you know their schedule. And so I think that Liv is extremely smart that they'll, they know that the football fans are going to be watching football on Saturday and then they're going to tune in to live on Sunday and see a great field with Cam Smith, Dustin Johnson, Neiman, Gooch, Reed, some of those guys battling at the top. I think they're going to get massive ratings this Sunday, T-Dub. I may be wrong. I think they will too, Sam, and I agree. I, I would I would not have liked it the final round of the live was on the same day as college football because there's so many great football games going on. And, and it just would have taken away from it. So, but yeah, no NFL to compete with this week. So I think that'll definitely be pretty advantageous for him. And yeah, it, it's going to be interesting to see how, how I'm really looking forward to really saying just the team format as well, because, you know, we're talking about individuals who are going to win, but uh, you know, the four aces, we've been talking about them forever. I mean, they seem like the, uh, the uh, Golden State Warriors. They're just a dream team. So I don't know. It, it's just something else that I'm looking forward to, Sam. It's just, it seems like that 
uh, forever, especially going in the Stewart Championship, we're so focused on the individual. It's kind of nice to have a little bit of a team aspect. Yeah, and Woody, by the way, the teams are not announced yet, so we're awaiting that. I thought they would be out. We're recording this at about 1.30 on Wednesday, so maybe that we get an announcement on the teams tomorrow, but I'm sure there'll be an all-Australian team. Um, the four aces, from what I've heard, are staying the same with Taylor Gooch, Patrick Reed, Dustin Johnson, um, and uh, Pat Perez, so... I would assume that the fireballs are going to be the same and then Stinger with the uh, South Africans will probably be the same as well. But we'll get some new teams, Woody. I think that'll be uh, kind of a draw for people to watch as well. I think what you said is going to be really spot on because I think you're going to see an an enormous amount of people viewing simply because there's no PGA event. And a lot of people have have heard so much about it now. There's been so much publicity about this that I think – even your basic golf fan will probably tune in. To me, it's kind of like our podcast where our listeners are growing by leaps and bounds. Guess what? Their viewers are going to be growing by leaps and bounds. No doubt about it. And guys, as far as the betting odds go for this week, Cameron Smith is the favorite at 9-2, to two, Dustin Johnson 13-2, to two. Joaquin Neiman eight to one. Taylor Gooch is fourth in the favorites for Live Boston at fourteen to one. Uh, then guys like Patrick Reed, Louis Ustazen, Paul Casey, Bryson DeChambeau, uh, Sergio Garcia, Abraham Answer, Brooks Kepka, Matt Wolf, Mark Leishman. That's a pretty solid twenty guys or so right there. T Dub on the favorites for Live Boston. To me, it's just going to continue to get better because I fl- I flip to the second page here. A guy like Harold Varner the third, for Liv being such an exhibition T dub, he's twenty-eight to one to win the golf tournament. This is the guy uh, you know, that a lot of people were talking about having a great year after Saudi Arabia. So to me, it's not an exhibition anymore when guys like a Kevin Nah are forty to one, right? Well, it's a lot lot less of an exhibition than what we saw last week in the PGA Tourist. I mean, we had guys starting at a certain score on in a thirty man field. So I mean if people are gonna say that this is an exhibition. Let's just look back to last week. And I think it'd be proven wrong. But yeah, I completely agree, Sam. I really like Harold Burns this week. You look on the analytics, and it looks like he's the fifth favorite just ahead of guys like Louis, Paul Casey, Abraham Answer, just right behind uh, Taylor Gooch is in fourth. So, I mean, a 28 to 1. What so is, you're telling me there's like big a, value there, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Well, really I big think, value according to that. Well, and I, I think you're right there, T. I mean, just when you were going down that list of guys, when you say those names, Okay, a few of them are maybe past their prime, but they're recognizable names, wouldn't you agree? So what you have now is you're starting to get more and more of what I call a real live honest goodness golf tournament. Now, they're going to keep calling an exhibition. They're going to keep throwing rocks because they have to. But when you look at the field and you start looking at guys that are 40 to 1, 28 to 1 that have won on the PGA Tour, holy cow, that means there's somebody up front pretty good. You know what I mean? No doubt. And I'm looking at the list of the field here, guys, and I truly think that there's 35 guys that could win this golf tournament. That's how good the field is now in these live golf events here at Live Boston. To me, I mean, there's really only a handful of guys that I would just really throw out. There's no more guys that are like just, you know, bottom of the barrel type guys that they just had to get to fill the field. I mean, these these fields are going to start being not just first come, first serve anymore, right, T-Dub? I 100% agree. I mean, you look at the guys who are who are at the bottom of, of the list of odds to win this week. 
You got guys like Phil and Chase Kepkin down there and James Pyatt. James Pyatt's the U.S. Amateur champion. We all know who Phil is, probably the second biggest name in the game, maybe third now behind Rory. But And then Chase Kepkin being Bruce's brother. So, I mean, I, I get that there's still some spots to fill up, but then you even just scroll up just, just a few spots further. I mean, Sean Norris is one of the least favorites to win this tournament. He made the cut to the Championship. I remember watching him play with Tiger in the third round. Uh, Martin Keimer, two-time major champion, is right there. Uh, Lopez Chikara is, is kind of down on the list, too, but he's one of the best college players out there. So I, I completely agree, Sam. I think it's a, it's a pretty darn good field. Even guys like, like Matt Wolf are no one's really talking about, but he finished second at, in Bedminster. So I uh, I don't know. I think this, this field's pretty loaded, in my opinion. Yeah, and guys, I mean, the top 26 guys of this golf tournament are all household names to me, as far as the golf world goes. I mean, let me just read these off here. Cam Smith, Dustin Johnson, Joaquin Neiman, Taylor Gooch, Patrick Reed, Louis Hazen, Paul Casey, Bryson DeChambeau, Sergio Garcia, Abe Anser, Brooks Kepka, Matt Wolf, Mark Leishman, Harold Varner, Brandon Grace, Carlos Ortiz, Henrik Stinson, Jason Kokrak, Charles Howe III, Cameron Tringali, Kevin Na, Sam Horsfield, Charles Schwartzel, Honorbon Lahiri, Lee Westwood, and Ian Poulter. Is anyone out of that group not a household name for someone that you know watches the PGA Tour professional golf on a regular basis? No, no. That's that's the quickest answer to that question. No, and that's what we're saying. This these live fields, and where you were saying, Sam, I don't think they're done yet. I still, I get a sneaking suspicion we might get another one or two big names before the end of the year. And I don't know why, but I still think there's guys on the bubble. I think there's guys that want to do it, but they haven't pulled the trigger yet. I agree, Woody, and I don't think it'll be a guy like a Cam Young. I think it's probably too risky for him without the official World Golf ranking points being awarded yet, but I think it could be a guy like a Patrick Cantlay or Xander Shoffley, right, T-Dub? Yeah, I mean, you, you keep hearing things, and there may be some guys who who are worried about not being able to play the President's Cup, but who maybe will want to do that. So, yeah, I, I think there'll be maybe one or two. Like like I mentioned earlier, there's not going to be a max exodus of guys that leave. I don't think we're just going to hear ten names that come out. You know, I do think the changes that they made on the PGA Tour will be enough to incentivize at least a couple more names to stay, as we've already seen just from the rumors that are going on, Cam Young be, being the biggest one. So, yeah, I think there'll be maybe one or two more, but, but I don't think it's going to be more than that. I'd be shocked if there's more than, I would say, three players in the top 100 in the world. that go. Yeah, and it just surprises me that people aren't at least intrigued, much less, you know, excited about the golf tournament. You have to at least be intrigued enough to check it out with those names in the golf tournament. We're past the point of just, you know, blowing it off as a, as a one-off and an exhibition or calling it the XFL Guys, I mean, this is going to have staying power, and I think it's just a matter of time. I was talking about it on the radio today. It's just a matter of time now that they have the reigning major champion, the reigning British Open champion. You're going to tell me that he's going to play 14 times on the Live Tour next year and not get one official World Golf ranking point for it? It's just a matter of time until official World Golf ranking is obsolete, Woody. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. And that's why we do what we're doing. That's why life is what it is. It changes. It, it doesn't mean it's set in stone. And for them to keep saying, well, this is just the way it's going to be. Well, no, no, don't. That, that's as bad as excuse as the, that they're playing in Saudi Arabia and they're really bad people. Yet we spend billions of dollars with them. Okay. You know, that, that kind of argument, they got to quit doing that kind of stuff. 
And sooner or later, they're just going to have to admit this, this tour is not bad. It's pretty doggone good. It might not be 125 guys playing, but who cares, okay? The 48 that they got are pretty doggone good, aren't they? 100%. And, Woody, I think just to kind of end that up, and, and T-Dub, I'll get your thoughts on this, I think – that it's all going to come down to guys like Fred Ridley um, and, and the heads of each, you know, of each major in golf. I think that, like, you know, Mike Wan with the USGA, I think, um, you know, the RNA will have their say. I wouldn't be surprised if you might hear some rumblings that the USGA might, you know, backtrack. But they've already set a precedent to me. Um, but to me, at the end of the day, T-Dub, Fred Ridley is not going to keep 25 guys out of the Masters. He's not going to diminish his product like that. And I think that, you know, obviously Keith Pelly and Jay Monahan are on the board of official world golf ranking, but so are guys like Fred Ridley. I think it all it all comes down to him, to be honest. Well, I, I don't think they're in any position to, to try to ban players. There's too many past champions who are now on live. I mean, there's so many. You got Dustin Johnson, Phil Mickelson. Um, I mean, the Bubba Watson's over there now. Um, Sergio Garcia, Patrick Reed. I mean, the list just goes on and on, and I don't think they'll, they'll do that to their past. The, the only major I think that would be able, or that I think that would potentially do it, would be the PGA Championship, which would be an absolute shame if they did decide to make that decision, but at the end of the day, I think we can all agree that the PGA Championship is kind of looked on as, as the fourth biggest major right now anyway, behind uh, the, the British Open, US Open, and the Masters, so that would just kind of dilute it even more, honestly, down to about where the, the Players' Championship is now, so as much as that would be a shame, I think that's the only major stand that would um, probably take a stand on this. Just mainly also because the U.S. Open and the British Open are just that. They're open. So even if these guys were could be banned, they would still be able to locally qualify. And then they'd have to, like Mike once said, go through and ban every single person that had any, any relevance to Saudi Arabia. So, no, I, I think the PGA Championship is the only one that would potentially do anything like that. Yeah, and that kind of leads us into our next thing here because we got news this past week that 18 live golfers who are set to compete in next week's event at Wentworth have been told that they are not required to participate in the Pro-Am, will not get featured group coverage on TV or the internet, and no live logos are permitted out of, quote, respect for our broadcasters and our fellow competitors, guys. Um, and Keith Pelly went on to say... Um, they will not be given any on-course competitive disadvantage, but they will also, but they will not be required to play in the pro-am or be in any feature groups on TV. And that's coming straight from Keith Pelly of the the head of the DP World Tour guys. It, I think it's Woody. I'll get your thoughts on it, but I think that that's just incredibly petty by them. And the, by the way, the reason why the live players are even allowed to play is because remember in the beginning the DP World Tour did not ban the live players. And then they reneged on it when they made the alliance with the PGA Tour and they went ahead and they banned all the live players for playing in the Scottish Open. And then Ian Poulter and a few other players from live filed the lawsuit and then the judge issued a stay on it. And so those players were allowed to play in the Scottish Open. And now those players are allowed to play in tournaments like Wentworth. And, and you know, the Ryder Cup is actually included in that, but we can get on... You know, that's a whole different other story. Um, but the reason why that these live players are allowed to play is because of that same stay that the judge issued on the 4th of July, Woody. Yeah, it's petty. It is really, really petty. It, it reminds me of the 
Uh, you remember when you were a little kid and you had to pick teams for the baseball field or you had to pick uh, teams for your dodgeball games? And, you know, there was always that fat, uncoordinated kid. I know that's not politically <laughs> correct. I'm sorry. But there was always that fat, uncoordinated kid that nobody wanted. You know what I mean? And that's, that's kind of what the lib guys are. They're like the fat, uncoordinated kid in the dodgeball game. But the difference is, is I'm really – if they're going to play that game, you know what I'm pulling for that week? Anybody from Lib. I want somebody from Lib to win the golf tournament. 100%. 100%. We even heard guys like Rory McIlroy say that he's going to be sick to his stomach, quote-unquote, when he sees the 18 Lib guys at Wentworth. Are you kidding me? You're going to be sick to your stomach to see a better field than you are used to seeing on the PGA Tour? What, what's wrong with that? I mean, give me a break, Rory. Yeah, that was, uh, that was a pretty childish thing to say, in my opinion. I think it just goes back to him being – the spokesman for the PGA Tour, but like like we detailed so much, Sam. I mean, he's got business dealings with the PGA Tour, so I mean, I right. can't blame the guy for what he's doing, you know. So I mean, it just it is what it is. But yeah, I mean, not getting featured group coverage, I, I think they're missing out on opportunity personally because what what are the other things that we've talked about? How this could create a, a, a rivalry within the game of golf. You could have PGA Tour, DP World Tour players versus live guys. I would. I'd love to put featured groups of guys who are on the – you put one guy who's on the list with two guys uh, on the DP World Tour and have them play. Put that as a featured group. You'd get so many viewers there. I, I think the DP World Tour, like I said, I understand what they're doing, but I think by doing this, they're missing out on an opportunity. And just just from the game of golf, I completely disagree with what Hey, Sam, let yeah. me ask you a question on that. Okay, what are they going to do on Saturday or Sunday when one of these guys is leading? Where they're going to show everybody in his group and not him? I, I'm not sure about that on the weekend. I would just assume that Thursday and Friday they don't get featured pairings and then they're just banking on the fact that a live guy won't be in the final groups or something. Are they not going to show them in the final groups? Oh, that's what I was going to say. How embarrassing is that going to be if one of those guys ends up winning and never team hit a shot? They have to show you know them. I mean, mean, there's no possible way they, they don't show, show the leaders of the golf tournament on the weekend. I think that what he meant by not getting a featured group would be, you know, the Thursday, Friday mornings when they have the featured group, you know, on, on right, PGATour.com right. or DP World Tour or whatever. So, so, so uh, what time – let me ask you guys a question. I don't mean to interrupt you. Though. So, uh, when exactly did all these guys on these other tours, commissioners included, become children? At what point – when did they come kids or when did they come children again? Uh, they call each other names and stuff like that. Are, are we not adults? Is this not embarrassing? Good Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm having trouble today, guys. I'm wanting to puke. You know when it all started, Woody, was when not only the PGA Tour, but the Golf Channel and everybody ripped Phil Mickelson so hard for what he said, and then the PGA Tour goes back and literally copies what Phil did, and then it's it, it's literally like high school. Like, we got people copying homework, we got name calling, we got the bullies, you know, we got people saying you can't play with us you know it, it, you're right it is like you know a middle school baseball team is what it's like t-dub yeah yeah <laughs> that's a pretty damn good analogy guys i i think that's pretty close and you know for someone like rory if it's gonna make him stick to his stomach to, to be there and not play and or to see those guys there well maybe rory's not gonna play good and, and if that's the case then that's that sucks for him because it's just another thing of these players just want to have so much control on what other players are doing and it's just it's it's absolutely crazy to me and just let guys tee it up in the damn tournament 
And then if you want, if you're so upset that they're in the field, go out and beat them and just, I don't know, just keep your damn mouth shut. I mean, like I said, I understand what Rory's saying about all that, but at the same time, I, I just feel like the, the pettiness has gone too far, especially with, with the fact that the guys probably more than likely aren't going to be able to play in the President's Cup, and that's the thing that really doesn't yeah, the guys are definitely not going to be able to play in the President's Cup. Guys that were already qualified, such as a Joaquin Neiman, Mito Pereira, uh, Cam Smith. Um, and so those guys will not be uh, on the International President's Cup team. Let's get to the Ryder Cup real quick, guys, because Ryder Cup Europe announced that they are going to give Luke Donald six captain's picks this year. Uh, now, yes, the live players still can earn official world golf ranking I mean not official world golf ranking points points toward uh you know Ryder Cup points uh to move up the list however guys number one they're banned from the PGA Tour so they can't you know gain Ryder Cup points that way now they can gain it through tournaments like Wentworth however you know I would be shocked if we heard any live guys get picked in any of those six captains picks um even though they are allowed to play i would assume they might make a decision and ban the live guys uh by the time the Ryder cup happens right even though the stay might not be up yet well i mean so for example they've already Henderson already moved on from being the captaincy so i think they set a, a weird precedent from that i mean and you look at the other guys who have already made the jump who would be potential candidates. You have guys like, like Lee Westwood, Sergio Garcia, Paul Casey, um, Richard Bland, Lori Cantor, Sam Orsfield, Martin Keimer. You know, these are just some of the names that uh, – Graham McDowell. It's other names that, no, they're not going to be able to make the top six anyway. They probably wouldn't make, be able to make the top six if they were playing on a regular European Tour and PGA Tour schedule, let alone the fact they're not going to be playing any of those events just the majors for those select few. So I, I get what they're doing, but in all honesty, Sam, unless we get or, or yeah, unless we get another big name who's European, like maybe a John Rom or something who does end up going over there, I don't think this will really have a whole lot of precedence because you're absolutely right. There's no way in hell that was one to six captain six. Which they increased from three to six in the last year, just want to point out is probably the reason why, why they did that. There's no way one of those six uh, picks will be a limit. But Woody, let me ask you this. What if John Rahm says, you pick Sergio Garcia? That's the player that I want to play with in my doubles matches. Well, it, it, it goes. Then you got to go back and look at how much power does the player have. Uh, we know what Tiger Woods can do on our tour. And I would think John Rahm's a close second to Rory McIlroy over there to what he can do and what can't do. Uh, you know, I you said it best the other day when you talked about his Rahm's got a real connection with Mickelson. So um, I think Rom is one of the guys that somewhere, somehow will either push real hard for a merger or that he might bolt, believe it or not. I think Rom is just that kind of hothead. He's already mad that Rory and Tiger are the, are the face of the PGA. Okay. He's already got his butt hurt on that. As you said it, Sam. So don't, don't look, don't be surprised, I'd say, if somebody like that doesn't try to strong arm to get his player, like whether it's Sergio Hood is, or that he just ends up one day going, hey, you know what, I'm going to this list. Yeah, and I mean, let's look at the Team USA for the Ryder Cup. I mean, Dustin Johnson right now is already locked in uh, for the Ryder Cup team. You would have guys like uh, like Brooks Kepka, Bryson DeChambeau, Taylor Gooch, um, those type of players, guys, that wouldn't even have a shot. Jason Kokrak, 
uh, Cameron Tringali types that don't even have a shot at a captain's pick now, I would assume, right, T-Dub? I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous what they're doing to the Ryder Cup and the President's Cup. And and that's one of my biggest views about this is just the, the blackballing of certain players from the biggest events in the game. And what really makes this shame is we had one of the best uh, American teams ever in the Ryder Cup at, uh, at Wesley Strait, and which was absolutely fabulous to see. I thought something we could maybe potentially create a dynasty over it, but you guys got like Kepka and DeChambeau were kind of the, one of the, the futures of that team. Obviously, other players are on there, but they were a big catalyst for that. And now they're not going to be there. So it's yeah. It's, and Harold Varner the third is another huge name as well, right there, right outside the top ten that would be in the captains' picks right now. And it's uh, yeah, that's the biggest thing that that disrupts me is that it's, for the Presidents Cup, especially now, and even the Ryder Cup next year, we're going to have worse golfers out there just because of they wanted to play on a different tour that the the main NCs didn't agree with. That's what upsets me about all. Exactly, and it's not Liv doing it. It's it's the PGA Tour banning these guys, and you know, obviously, the Ryder Cup is making a stupid decision, almost as stupid as what the Presidents Cup is doing, guys. Because I feel like the Presidents Cup had a perfect opportunity uh, to kind of not necessarily go Liv versus PGA Tour, but let the Liv guys play. And if the Ryder if the Ryder Cup doesn't let the Liv guys play, and the Presidents Cup does it automatically becomes bigger than the Ryder Cup. And that's what the President's Cup has always kind of had to play second fiddle to, guys. Um, So let's wrap up this live talk and give me t or I'll go to Woody first. Woody, give me an individual winner uh, for Live Boston this week. Well, the first thing you got to believe is you got to go with one of the new seven, okay? Because we didn't pick Stinson. He was a new guy on the block, and he ran off and left him. I I didn't expect that. I think everybody's thinking it's going to be Cam Smith. Um, I'm, I'm kind of. I'll tell you, I think I'm going to probably win the golf tournament if I had to bet on it. Uh, is uh, Joaquin Neiman? I think he is going to. Uh, I think he's going to shine this week. I think he's excited about this live, and I think he's going to go play really well. T Dub. I, I'm looking. I'm really interested in Cam Smith as well. I am a little bit worried uh, about the hip. I do think there is a little bit uh, of something there. I don't think he just withdrew from the tournament just, just for the hell of it. So I really like Woody's Neiman pick, but I'm going to go ahead and go with Dustin Johnson. The second and third, the last two of the events. I think this is his time. I think he's going to win, and uh, he's been by far the most surefire bet. Him, him and T. Gooch have been the more surefire bet in these first three live events. So go ahead and give me Dustin Johnson. So you guys are giving me Cam Smith, the favorite of the golf tournament, with the third draft pick. I will take him uh, as my third uh, draft pick there. So give me Cam Smith. Uh, Taylor has Dustin Johnson, and Woody has Joaquin Neiman. We have the three favorites in the golf tournament. Is there anyone else that you guys think might surprise individually this week at Live Boston? I think that Taylor Gooch could have a really good week. The course sets up well for him. Don't have to bomb it out there. It's it's an old-style golf course. I, I like a guy like a Taylor Gooch or a Patrick Reed. Um, also, we've seen Bryson kind of dominate courses like this, like in Detroit or you know other old-style courses. Um, do we see Bryson kind of break through now that he's, he's had some time after that injury, T-Dub? You know, I, I, I think he will start playing some good golf at some point. This could easily be it, but, but I'm not going to go ahead – and pick it. Some people that we haven't really talked about, Patrick Reed. I mean, he's played two live events, finished fifth and third in, in, in those. We already kind of mentioned Harold Varner. He hasn't really been pay, playing particularly well. He's been hitting his irons really good, but his putter's been struggling. So if he can make some putts, I expect him to go up there. And also, guys, 
How about Chucky Three Sticks? I think he's going to end up playing some good golf. Finished 26 in Bedminster. He's actually in the top five, I believe, in the middle of the second round. And before he went over there, he finished top 20 in two of his last three PJ tournaments. So I expect Chucky Three Sticks to play pretty well this week. Guys, I know we you know don't. What you, Go ahead, Woody. I was going to say, Sam, you know what you guys – I mean, if one of the three guys that we picked doesn't win, there were so many good players. It could be a guy, because of the way the golf course is, it could be a guy that none of us would have picked, uh, Charles Howell or yep. or somebody like that, that, that you wouldn't have ever picked him. We might be really surprised this week. Guys, I know we don't know the specific teams yet, but I'm going to take my first draft pick – draft pick on the teams and go ahead and take the Australian team uh, even though we don't know that it's a team yet but I, I'm sure that it will be so T-Dub who's your pick for the teams? I mean are, are we just throwing out the four aces at this point because they're, they're a dominant powerhouse <laughs> <laughs> because I mean they, they, they've been absolutely stupid so I gotta go with them I, 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 would, I would go with kind of the, uh, the all Spanish team as well Carlos Ortiz has finished second and fourth in his two so I'd go ahead and pick them, but if we're not throwing out the four aces, I'm going with them because that just seems like it'd be stupid. But he's got a point there. But I'll I'll go. Is uh, I bet you Joaquin Neiman's going on to the Spanish team, wouldn't you think? I would, I would guess think. so. I don't. I'm not sure about that, Woody. We'll have to <laughs> confirm later on today. So I'm not positive well, about that. That's the team I'll go with because we're we're holding to what we said because I picked him for the win of the tournament. So I'm going to pick. Whatever team he's on, whatever okay. team he ends up on, I'll go with that team. All right, that sounds good. So, by the way, guys, it is two – or you have three T-Dub, three points. Is that correct? That sounds right. Yeah, three out of the three events. Yeah, yeah and I have two, yeah. and Woody has one, I think. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, I might have none. I might have none. No, you have okay, one, so. I think, because uh, last the last tournament – I'm trying to remember, Woody. I think at Bedminster – Either T-Dub got both points or you got one and T-Dub got one because I definitely did not get any points at Bedminster. It, it I, think Woody, like, I think Woody got one. I, think, I think I got one for my pro I picked. I think he finished higher than anybody else's. But, but that you know, like I said, I've already kind of put a call in to hideaway and says I'm going to have a party. <laughs> <laughs> Woody, by the way, I heard a lot of love from your story about uh you know your your little scuffle in hawaii or almost scuffle in hawaii we were talking about it on the radio today a lot of people liked it you got any other stuff for us before you leave us today you know what i forgot one other time where i had to i had to bone up a little bit uh and this was a this was at westchester and i might have told you if i had stopped me but i was playing now this time i remember the group because you have to remember the group i was playing with ed fiori Ed Fiore's highlight reels, he beat Tiger Woods at Quad Cities Open in the playoffs. Okay? After that, I don't believe Ed Fiore ever uh, got close to Tiger Woods. But he beat him there. So Ed was a, a veteran on tour. I was playing with a guy named Chris Perry, who at the time was a really good player. He graduated out of Ohio State. Had uh, had won a couple times on tour, if I'm not mistaken, when I was paired with him. Well, we tee off at Westchester, and about six, seven holes into the round, Ed Fiore came over to me and said, Woody, we got a problem. And I thought, Oh man, what'd I do this time? You know? And I said, what are we, what's wrong? Ed? And he goes, I don't like the way Chris is marking his ball. Would you watch him for a few holes? And then let me know what you think. I went, what? I was shocked. And he goes, yeah, I don't like the way he's marking his ball. And okay. Well, I don't pay attention when the other guy's marking a ball, but I said, okay, for the next four or five holes, I watched him mark his ball. Well, one thing he did have, is he had like a half dollar, which is way too big. 
you know, out there it's a dime, a penny, uh, you know, some a, a memento that you've had, but it, it doesn't get really big is the thing I'm saying. You don't really want to mark your ball with a, a, a you know, like they have poker chips now. No, you don't do that out there. Yeah. You, you use something rather small. Well, I watched him for four or five holes, and I'll be damned, guys, he was not doing good. I mean, he's moving that ball all over the place. It wasn't major. It wasn't like he moved it a foot or something. But it was never, you know, right where it was supposed to be. You could tell it was kind of goofy how he did it. So I went to Peoria, and I said, Ed, I, I agree. He's not marking his ball very good. And he goes, okay, I'll take care of it. And I thought, well, that's cool. The veteran's going to finally step up and take care of us, you know, the situation. So I see him walk over to Chris Perry on the 10th green, and he said something to Chris, and Chris kind of looks over and glares at me. Well, we go up on 11T, and Perry is just staring right through me. He, it's like he's ready to kill me. So we get up on the 12th screen finally, and I said to Ed Fury, I said, Ed, this guy looks like he's ready to kill me. What in the hell did you say to him? He said, well, Woody, I told him you didn't like the way he was marking his ball. <laughs> <laughs> I said, you did what? And he goes, yeah, I told him you didn't like the way he was marking his ball. And I said, well, did you have to mention you didn't like the way he was marking his ball first? And he goes, no, nah, I didn't get around to that. I just told him you didn't like the way he was marking his ball. And I went, oh, my gosh, you know. So, sure enough, we get done with the round, and we go into the scoring tent. And after we walk out, he goes, Woody, come here. Perry said that to me. He says, Woody, I need to talk to you. Now, Chris Perry was a big boy. I was where I would have whooped Jack Friends, I think. I wasn't ready to jump on Chris Perry. So I walked over there with him and he said, uh, he said, what, what's going on? And I said, Chris, I, I'm not trying to make any big scene here or anything, but I said, both Ed Fiore and I didn't like the way you were marking your ball. And I said, I don't know if you weren't paying attention today or what, what's going on in your head, dude. And instead of him bowing up, he bowed his head down and he looked at me and goes, you know, I'm just struggling so much on the greens right now. I apologize. I will make it better. I will not do that again. I'd appreciate it if you guys wouldn't just tell everybody in the locker room about this. And I said, no, Chris, it's a dead soldier right now. We're not going to talk about it, okay? It's over. It's done. But I was ready to fight there, and I was going to get my butt whooped by this time. <laughs> but, but instead, he just, I tell you guys, he just cowed right down because, he knew he wasn't marking his ball good. He, you know, we busted him on it. He knew it. He was doing everything he could. He was struggling so much. And really, Chris Perry was never a, a good player. He was struggling then. He never came back. And I, I'm not sure where Chris is now. He's a great guy. But he was just having a lot of trouble putting then. That is a great story, Woody. Never got around to it. Uh, by the way, something that we talked about on the last show, the Matt Moraz saga, or Matt Moraz, not exactly sure how you pronounce this, but the Monday Q Info uh, saga from the Fire Pit Collective. If you remember on our last show, we talked about uh, Matt Moraz, who was disqualified for cheating um, in the PGA Tour pre-qualifier in Nebraska. We have new information, a part two to this story, guys. And what happened was the Nebraska Golf Association had guys go out and they found balls marked the exact same way, the same tailor-made 12 with the purple marking on seven 
13 and 16. There were more tailor-made 12s out in the shit on this golf course, guys. This guy becomes more and more of a scumbag every day, but they caught him on it. And shout out to the Nebraska Golf Association for going out there uh, and proving this guy wrong. And by the way, they reached out to Matt Mraz for a comment, and he said no comment. I mean, Sam, I mean, Sam we, we, we have the, the Nebraska PGA section members out there with machetes. We're, we're, we're cutting down heavy, heavy jungle here <laughs> to try to find these golf balls to prove this guy was an effing cheater. And sure enough, he was. And, and I understand the, the whole debate if anyone's ever on Morales' side. He's going to say, well, it could have been in practice, right? blah, 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 where that happened. But it's like those are on the holes where they had questionable decisions on where the ball went. They went back there and found him, Woody. I mean, I, I think this is still in shut case at this point. Well, I think you need to remember his name, Sam, simply because he should never be allowed to play. He shouldn't even be able to play in the uh, in a pro am. I mean, or a, a scramble. So what? He, this guy should be quick, anywhere before, near a golf course. Before, well, uh, I totally agree, and you're going to think even more so after I tell you this. So then Monday Q did some research, and it turns out um, that. This guy uh, in PGA Tour LA uh, said he made an albatross on a 550-yard par 5 that no one saw, two on a par 5 that no one saw, and then uh, he also says that he made a hole-in-one on a par 4 in the Parker Open, a hole-in-one at Sand Hollow on a par 4, a hole-in-one on a par 4 and an albatross at the Dakotas Tour in the same event among others. Woody, can you believe this guy? No, no, the, I, you're right. The more I hear, the more I, I'm, I'm hoping that somehow you can put a wanted poster up and everybody knows about this because golfers, we want to believe, we really do want to believe, guys, especially if you're playing pro golf, that you're playing with honorable, trustworthy guys. You, you, you don't really go out in a golf tournament thinking, okay, now which guy's the cheater? I got to watch him. I don't even remember going out in a golf tournament thinking that way. And and for this guy, who knows how much money he's won, how much money he's taken out of somebody else's pocket. I mean... <laughs> T-Dub, your thoughts? Tell us how you really feel, Woody. <laughs> I hate this I, kind of deal. Well, it's, it's just the fact that let's just say... That, that somehow these guys didn't catch him. I mean, he would have taken the spot from someone because he advanced to the next stage of the qualifying. I mean, that's, that's what's crazy to me about it. You know, if he would have shot 75, 75, 75, he still cheated. I mean, first of all, he wouldn't have been a very good cheater. But second of all, it's, uh, he, he, we wouldn't have to worry about this. It's the fact that he cheated just well enough to get in the top whatever. That, that's a shame, and I completely agree. If you ever hear his name and you're at a four-man scramble like we were a few days ago at the NALD, you better turn in about 33 under or else you <laughs> No, I, I'll tell you this. If he's at a scramble that I'm in, he ain't never going to get to that tee box. I'm going to hit him right upside the head with a, a sandwich. He, he will never get a ball in the ground in a tournament I'm playing in. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> Woody, it's been a great time talking to you today. We have our season-long predictions that we will revisit after the break. Woody, thanks so much for being with us today on the 73rd hole. Well, let the viewers know I'm going out to work today, but I'm not needed in this part because luckily I wasn't on the show yet. (laughs) I would have made some of the same predictions you guys made. It's going to be very entertaining for the listeners. 
stay on board because I wish I could hear it, but I got to go to work. Yeah, you're not out of the woods yet. You got to do it for next year uh, when we get to January, Woody, before the uh, tournament of qualifiers. <laughs> well, I'll do that. I'll do that. I'll, I'll go ahead and pony up next year and embarrass myself. But this year, at least I didn't have to do that. <laughs> all right, Woody, you have a good one, all right? You guys too. Thanks. Bye. All right, that was Jim Woodward of Oak Tree National here on the 73rd hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. When something the size of a golf ball hits your roof, you need to call McRae Roofing. McRae Roofing is Oklahoma's designer roofing service specialist. For years, Jeff McRae and the experienced team at McRae Roofing and Exteriors have served fellow Oklahomans by helping them with their roofing needs. McRae Roofing uses only top quality materials and professional crews to make sure that each job is done right so it will give you the years of service, security, and protection you need from the unpredictable Oklahoma weather. McRae Roofing offers residential and commercial roofing, ventilation services, and custom copper designs. McRae Roofing is dedicated to exceeding the homeowner's expectations. It's not just a roof. It is your home's crowning glory. Call McRae Roofing today at 405-692-4000. That's 405-692-4000. Make sure to also visit their website at McRaeRoofing.com. That's M-C-R-A-Y Roofing.com. Don't get caught with a leaking roof. Contact McRae Roofing for your free inspection today. Welcome back on the other side of the break here on the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. By the way, go visit Quail Creek Bank, the best bank in Oklahoma City. They do everything they can to make you feel like family at Quail Creek Bank. I know Woody uses them. We've even had listeners come up to us and say, you know, that they've gotten loans from them ever since they heard on the podcast that, you know, you might need to leave the bank that you're tired of dealing with and go to Quail Creek Bank. They are the best bank in the Oklahoma City area. Please give them a Google. And if you're tired of, you know, dealing with automated machines, you will deal with real people at Quail Creek Bank. All right, T-Dub, let's get to uh, some changes that are going to be coming this upcoming college season on PGA Tour U. Uh, T-Dub, do you have those listed off for me there? Yeah, so, yeah, they did end up making some changes PGA Tour U, and it's not what we expected. They're not giving any PGA Tour cards officially off of it. Essentially what happens now is the, the top five players essentially have the same exemptions that they did through the court ferry. They also receive the the following year, if they do not receive any uh, type of status, they can join the uh, PGA Tour Canada or Latin uh, America Tour. So that's a a decent thing if someone has, excuse me, a bad end of their season. Now one of the changes now is 6 through 10. Well, I guess I should start off and say that instead of going from the top 15, they're doing the top 20. So now five more collegiate players will get this type of status. So uh, now 6 through 10, for example, if there's some guys in the top five that don't play the corn ferry that year, those guys six through ten will have the option through that status to be able to play in the corn ferry. And so that's a, a pretty cool thing uh, to see, you know, if guys get into the PJ Tour that week. And then 11 through 20 will have the PJ Tour Canada and uh, Latin America for the next year. So that is also a, a pretty cool thing. Not a, a substantial amount of changes, but one change, Sam, that is really good is that they're going to have this new system essentially where the top three guys at the end of the year 
of the top 20 will be able to get onto the corn ferry the next year. And they're doing a combination out of those points of, from, from PJ Tour events and corn ferry events. So no longer do we have to worry about if a player decides to play on the PJ Tour instead of the corn ferry, it hurts them because that was one of the stupidest things uh, that existed in golf. No, I totally agree that that's good changes for PGA Tour U, but why make it so confusing? Just give the top five guys PGA Tour cards, C-Dub. Why is it that confusing? Why do we just continue to beat around the bush on this subject every single year? I say give the top five guys PGA Tour cards, give the next five guys Corn Ferry cards, and give 10 through 20, you know, status on the Canadian Tour. That, in, in all honesty, Sam, if we were designing the system ourselves, that is exactly what I would do. I thought it was interesting. I was watching um, Golf Today earlier on the Golf Channel, and Chris Goddard was on there, and they asked him, you know, do you think that guys going from essentially from college uh, going to the tour should be able to get status on the PJ Tour through PJ Tour University? And he essentially said no. He thought that you needed to be able to grind it out and be able to show that you're able to make it out there and said that for some players, it, it may be bad for them if they go all the way out there and, and don't succeed and they're not ready for it. So I thought it was interesting to hear that say because, Sam, I feel like we're in the majority and we feel like when we've seen it ourselves, I mean, these college players, especially the elites of the league, are so damn good now that they can they can go out any week on the PGA Tour and have a, a top five, top ten finish if, if they're on. So I, I think that I think that we're in the majority, but like I said, it was interesting to hear Goddard's opinion there uh, on that subject because uh, I felt like he would have been the opposite way, right? Yeah, but what else is he supposed to say? Because right now they're not getting PGA Tour cards, and now he has to go grind it out like he's saying, and that has to be his mindset. So, I mean, if he were to say, you know, no, I should have gotten a PGA Tour card, uh, then, you know, it's going to put more pressure on him to play well because if you say something like that, then you have a target on your back, right, Tito? That is a good point. That's something I hadn't really considered. I just thought it could have been something along the lines of, you know, talking about how good the that the college players are, and how you know we've we've seen it in the past, essentially with with Jordan Spieth in particular, and a lot of these um, Colin Morikawa, Victor Arnold, and Matt Wolf. I mean, they just essentially go out there within the first year, they just dominate it. So, I mean, you could have said something along those lines. But yes, I agree. I think it's a mindset thing. You have to dive into it, and I don't think it's really beyond the shadow of that. Besides an injury or something like that, that got her up into going to be on the PJ Tour next year. I totally agree. We heard from our man Country Club Collection that said. Uh, he made the bold prediction, and I don't think it's that bold uh, that Chris Goddard will be a top 10 player in the world one day. I think Country Club Collection even said had the talent to be a top five perennial top five player uh, on the PGA Tour. One day, T-Dub, I think it is time to give the people what they are waiting for. We don't back down. We're not shy about what our predictions were at the start of last year. We're going to give them back to you and see how we did, T-Dub. Are you ready to be embarrassed? I am very excited. This is something I hadn't uh, thought about in some time. I think maybe a few months ago I thought about our season predictions. I was like, man, you know, I think some things we may have been right about, but there's a lot of things that we were way off on, and now we're going to get the full uh, full breakdown of where we went, uh, the, the very, very few select times we went right, and the many, many times we went wrong. So, we did make our season-long predictions on January 5th of 2022. That was right before the Tournament of Champions um, in Hawaii. And, T-Dub, I think we should just start it off 
in the same order that we went on that show. And so the first question we asked was, who is going to win player of the year this year? Obviously, that's probably going to be Scotty Scheffler. But Taylor, you said it would be Justin Thomas. Do you want to defend your take? Um, or do you want to say that you were disappointed in Justin Thomas? No, I mean, I, I, one of my predictions, and we'll get into this later in the show as well, that I thought Justin Thomas would win two majors this year. I was only one for two on that aspect to get end up winning the PJ Championship. I wasn't right in my predictions on which majors he would win, but I'll, I'll still take a little bit of credit there. I just think, Sam, that after he did win that PJ Championship, he just had some kind of lackluster finishes after that. If he could have been able to beat Rory when he was tied with him at the RBC Canadian Open with two holes left, and, and then maybe even won another major and finished top five in the next two majors, would have had a chance, but didn't have, um, besides the 13th finish at the FedEx St. Jude, didn't have any finish inside the top 37 after after the RBC, with the exception of the Tour Championship last week. So I think JT had a fairly solid year. But, but at the end of the day, Sam, none of us saw uh, what Scotty Scheffler was doing coming because we got to think back on it. It seems so long ago, but he didn't have a win on CJ Tour when we made these predictions. So I, I just didn't think any of us saw Scheffler winning as many times as he did and really having the player of the year locked up after he won the Masters in April. I totally agree. And then Colby and I both had Colin Morikawa, who was then the number two ranked player in the world, uh, you know, looked primed to, you know, take over the number one spot at some point this year. Unfortunately for Colin Morikawa, it went the other way, T-Dub, and I think it was because of the putting. I mean, the majority of the events he played, he lost shots on the greens. He ends up the year literally zeros on the greens, strokes gained putting, didn't gain or lose any shots on the field on the greens, did lose .09 shots around the greens, and the ball striking was solid, but T-Dub, when you're losing shots like that on the on the greens, it's hard to compete. And what that does, T-Dub, is when you aren't hitting it quite as good um, as some other weeks, you throw in some major clunkers, like he missed the cut at the Open Championship as the defending champion. Uh, he missed the cut at the Scottish Open. He missed the cut at the Memorial. He missed the cut at the Players, T-Dub. Colin Morikawa, now ranked eighth in the world, started the year at number two, to me, is one of the biggest disappointments of the year. Year. Yeah, we we talked about how he lost his fade with his irons forever, and that's pretty. It's pretty weird thing to hear. I mean, he's one of the best iron players, maybe the best in the world, with the exception of Tiger Woods. So it seems like with a little bit of the analytics, he seems he may be getting a little bit of that back. But when you're at the high level that he is, you just got to look at the majors. And I get it; he finished top five in two of the four. But with the exception of the U.S. Open, where he was in the final group on Saturday, never really had a chance at, at the Masters, and then. The PGA Championship, where we all thought he was going to have a really, really great chance to win, ends up coming in at 55th. Southern Hills absolutely set up perfect for what we thought was his game. But uh, really, I think that was right around the time where he may have just had a little bit something going on with his iron. So, uh, so yeah, it's, it, I think when Colin Moore kind of looks back on this year, he's going to be fairly disappointed with how things turned out. Absolutely. And like I said, Scotty Scheffler will probably most definitely win player of the year whenever that is announced. All right, T-Dub, let's get to our second question that we had on January 5th of 2022. That was who will win the rookie of the year? And that is almost certainly going to be Cameron Young. Uh, Taylor, you said Mito Pereira. I said Taylor Moore. Uh, and Colby said Mito Pereira as well. Um, T-Dub, I'm looking at PGA Tour 
Sleeper.com right now, and they have the rookies all listed out here uh, and, and have a ranking system, and it goes based off of FedEx Cup rank, best finishes, starts, cuts made, top tens. Cameron Young is far and away uh, the best rookie of the year. And then number two, you have Sahithi Gala, then three, Davis Riley, four, Tom Kim, five, Mito Pereira, and Taylor Moore comes in at eighth as far as rookies go. So I would say that, you know, Taylor Moore and Mito Pereira were two pretty solid picks for rookie of the year, T-Dub. It was hard to predict Cam Young. Yeah, no, none of us saw Cam Young. He was coming. He had such a great year. But, yes, I just want to get you to tell you more pick real fast. I mean, he had such a great rookie year being able to make it to the BMW Championship, finish fifth and sixth back-to-back at the Rocket Mortgage and the Wyndham when he needed two really high finishes. So that was really good uh, stuff to see from our man. He more – but, Sam, I mean, in all honesty, at the end of the day, we're one driver swing on 18 at Southern away from Mino Pereira, probably winning. I mean, if You're he, exactly if he right. I mean, if he wins the PGA Championship, I mean, I think that beats Cam Young uh, finishing runner-up as much. As I don't know. It would have been pretty close good. having having four, um, you know, tied for second finishes or better. I mean, that what would you say would have been the better one if, if Mito would have won the major but didn't have as consistent of a year as Cam Young? It, it would have been interesting to see what Mito did had he won afterwards because he finished seventh and 13th at two events after the PGA, which was pretty good. Right. By but the way, Mito – Go ahead. I was just going to say, after that, he missed four cuts in a row and then finished 42nd and 54th his last two events on the PGA Tour. So, had he won that and then maybe finished the year a little bit better, I think it would have been a stud deal. But even then, Sam, I mean, just having that one major win, I I think probably would have propelled him over Cam Young. But it it would have definitely been uh, something to discuss, even though it's not right now because Cam Young had his coach deal. It definitely would have been a better question. By the way, Tom Kim and Chad Ramey were the two rookies to win on the PGA Tour this year. Uh, Mito Pereira did end the year with uh, three top tens, while Cam Young ended up the year with uh, seven top tens. Um, and 18 cuts made. So let's get on to our next question, T-Dub. That was, who will be the FedEx Cup champion in 2022? The answer, Rory McIlroy. T-Dub, your answer was Xander Shoffley, who ended the year at number four. My answer was John Rahm. He ended the year at number 15. And Colby said Xander Shoffley as well at number four, T-Dub. Were you disappointed in Xander? I mean, Pretty good pick. He finished fourth. Yeah, I mean, nowadays, just with how stupid the freaking uh, FedEx Cup system is, it's, uh, I think it was a fairly solid pick. Because anything can happen. It's just going to be whoever really starts the event at 10 under or somewhere around there is really going to have a chance. I know that Rory uh, came from behind, but Scheffler had a really bad choke job, essentially. So, yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm not disappointed in my pick. I, I do think it would have been a lot better question had we get a little revamp, revamp to this point system instead of just deciding who plays the best. And he's like essentially giving them the $18 million. Yeah, and then my pick, John Rahm, I think it really cost him that four or five tournament stretch there between the waste management and the players where he lost uh, over half a shot on the field on the greens in every single one of those tournaments, kind of putting him a little bit behind the eight ball in some tournaments. He really struck the ball well and could have you know, had some top finishes instead, finished around uh, 20th in all of those tournaments. Um, so T-Dub, I think that that's kind of where he cost himself, you know, being not 15th place, but up there in the top five range, right? Yeah, absolutely. And he he, he did announce that he did find something in his putting. He actually led the Tour Championship in putting uh, this last week. So something in the last couple of weeks, John Ross found something pretty spectacular. But yeah, just, just not as good of a year as he had 
uh, as we thought, because like we talked about with Scotty Sheffer, I mean, not once a time, it feels so long ago, but John Rahm was undoubtedly the best player in the world whenever we recorded this uh, our preview show. So, I mean, I, I think it was a pretty good pick at the time, Sam, because Rahm looked absolutely unbeatable, but uh, just kind of started started to wind down a little bit. But uh, if he can keep his putter rolling, I expect him to do some fairly good things within the next few months and leading into 2023. Yeah, and, you know, obviously the most memorable thing from this podcast about John Rahm kind of factors into that. I asked him at the PGA, I said, was winning in Mexico the confidence boost that you needed? Uh, and he looked at me and he said, I didn't think I needed a confidence boost. <laughs> Classic. Just stared uh, right in my soul. Yeah, they showed I it on live from. Uh, anyways, let's get to our fourth question. When will Tiger Woods return, T-Dub? Uh, you said the U.S. Open. Colby said Bay Hill. And I said the Masters. Ding, ding, ding. We have our first winner of the season-long predictions I was right with Tiger coming back at Augusta National. I've never been so happy to be wrong in my entire life. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> oh, it's so good. I think for me, Sam, I have no idea why I picked you. So it was literally the dumbest pick of all time. He didn't even play. He didn't even. He didn't even play this year. He played three of the four majors. So absolutely dumb pick. I think for me, I just I already had it set in my mind that he wasn't going to play Southern Hills. I wasn't going to get sent to see him. So I just had to pick some tournament after that. And uh, I, I'm so happy that you were right on your prediction because it was so good uh, to see him at the Masters, but even better to see him at Senate. Yeah, and that pizza tasted really good too, T-Dub, by the way. Uh, so, T-Dub, let's get to our fifth question, and we go from Tiger Woods to Jordan Spieth. How many times will Jordan Spieth win in 2022? The answer was one. He won at the RBC Heritage, and we all were right on the money with one. However, there's a caveat we also said it would come at Colonial. So we were right and wrong at the same time, T-Dub. Uh, I, I think we count it as, as, as at least at least, at least point six nine points, in my yes. opinion. But, yeah. but, but, but just in, in, our, in our defense, I mean, he missed the cut at the Masters and come back and win the RBC. I think even at the time, none of us thought Jordan Speed was going to win. And he finished seventh at the Colonial, so still not half bad pick. No doubt about it, and obviously the win at the RBC came close at the Byron Nelson and Pebble Beach, uh, but a pretty solid year from Jordan Spieth, about what I thought we would see from Jordan Spieth this year, right? There wasn't really any disappointments or surprises from Jordan Spieth, at least to me. No, and he he, he finished eighth at, at St. Andrews, but other than that, did play very good in the majors. I just mentioned the miscount, finished 34th and 37th at the U.S. Open PGA Championship. So yeah, absolutely, just nothing... Really spectacular from Speed. I think everyone's just waiting for him to get back to that 2015 form and maybe even 2017 form when it comes to how good he's hitting his irons. And he's been really streaked with his irons. There were multiple events this year, Sam, where he gained more than a stroke uh, approach to green, but there were some weeks in there he lost uh, like 0.8 approach and uh, 1.2. So he's just still a little bit streaky, and the putter's nowhere close to where it used to be. I think that's going to be what he's going to have to turn around if he wants to get back to being someone that we always look at going into the Patriots. Then we get to our sixth question that we asked on January 5th of 2022. That was, does Brooks Kepka win a major in 2022? Obviously, the answer was no. He had two missed cuts at the Masters in the Open Championship, and he had two 55th place finishes at the U.S. Open and the PGA, respectively. Taylor, you said no. You said he would have one top five in a major. Um, 
I said yes, and I said it would come at St. Andrews. That was a huge dumbass pick because he damn near finished DFL and missed the cut at St. Andrews. And then Colby said no, uh, so Colby was right on the money uh, with this one, and so were you. You just said he would finish top five in a major. I, I just I, at the time I thought only one was was kind of going out of the list. I thought this has been a a major making machine, and you thought he would have done something good. And I did pick him at the U.S. Sub where he finished 55th. Uh, so, yeah, and then he missed a cut at, at the Masters as well. And then at the PGA Championship, even just watching him a little bit there, I thought, this guy, just he doesn't look that healthy. He just kind of looks like he doesn't have the whole lot of pop in his body. looks like his swing was even just a little bit slower compared to what, what a lot of other players I saw there were. So I think for Kepka, I think he's just going to need to get back to where he's at 100% healthy. And I don't know if he'll ever be able to get there. At least that's what it looks like to me. Yeah, and we've heard a lot of talk about, you know, will players get complacent after joining the Live Tour? Generally, I say no. I think that Brooks Kepka could possibly be the one guy that we look back on and say he might have gotten a little complacent after joining the Live Tour. Do you agree? Because it was just such a disappointing year from him. He has a lot to prove to me in 2023, a whole lot. I, I, could, I couldn't agree more I, I, with, with everything you just said. Uh, I, I think that for Kepka. It, it, we've already talked about how many ever times he's there. He only teed up for the majors anyway, and he's already got four majors. So, I mean, I don't know if this is a bold prediction. I don't think he ever was not a major. That's a bold prediction to me. I think that we'll see Brooks Kepka play really solid golf, at least at some point in the future, maybe not consistently. Um, I I tend to think that's probably a bold prediction there, T Dub. Uh, we'll see if you ever pick him again. We'll revisit this podcast uh, in the in the future. But let's get to our seventh question we asked on the season long predictions. That was who will be number one in official World Golf ranking at the end of the FedEx Cup. That was obviously Scotty Scheffler, and then T Dub. You said Justin Thomas. Now Justin Thomas ended at number seven. Uh, you also said, quote, he will win the Masters and the U.S. Open. Um, and by the way, you said also that Morikawa would win the PGA and Roy McIlroy would win the Open Championship in that same sentence. Oh, for sure, Sam. Oh, for sure. Pick, pick, a winners, pick a winners. Pick a winners. It's hard to do, man. Major golfer. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know what more to say. Not my best, but, uh, you know, Roy finished second at uh, – at St. Andrews, yeah. I mean, I wasn't far off if he just wouldn't have had a, a, a very non-sneaky choke, uh, you know, right around the middle of the middle of the uh, final round. I might have been right on one of these, and that would have been pretty nice. Uh, okay, so I said Colin Morikawa would be number one in the world by the end of the year. I also said in that same sentence that Rory McIlroy and Victor Hovland would have massive years. I think what I meant by that was they would be number two and number three in the world, and they ended the year number eight for Morikawa, number three for Rory, and number 11 in the world for Victor Hovland. Victor Hovland just really struggled on and around the greens this year, uh, T-Dub. Oh, there's, I mean, we, we've documented how many other times his chipping has just been uh, not where it needs to be, but two out of the last four events he gained strokes around the green, and his last four events he played a game that strokes gained putting, so, and, uh, and, the, and the driver's still there. I mean, he gained strokes gained off the tee, and I think every event uh, this year, except for maybe two or three of them, so uh, I expect Hovland to have a, a lot better year next year than, than he did this year, because especially right around the middle of the year when all the majors were happening, it seemed like where he kind of got into a little bit of a funk. 
No doubt about it. And then Colby also said Colin Morikawa would be number one in the world at the end of the FedEx Cup. So we were 0 for 3 there on that one. Scotty Scheffler, obviously number one in the world right now. Uh, So we get to our eighth question, T-Dub. And obviously we've been wrong on a lot of answers so far in the show. But (laughs) this one right here, T-Dub... Uh, We were wrong about the question because the question was Taylor Gooch official world golf ranking to end the year question mark. He was 32nd at the time. Taylor, you said 17th. I said 16th and Colby said 27. Now Colby by default ends up being correct. Right now, he's ranked 45th in the world, which is absolute BS. Uh, And so, by the way, just an all-time terrible question by us. (laughs) (laughs) The the, the timing of all this is what makes it. His highest ranking he got to was number 31. And if he would have just kept playing a little bit on the PGA Tour, he definitely would have got there. Because he finished 14th and 20th at at the Masters and PGA Championship. So he was on a little bit of a run before the jump to live. I think a lot of the, the drama off the course. You know, I mean, it's just hard to hard to separate those things sometimes. So maybe that was what happened there. But yeah, the official World Golf ranking question was definitely a little bit irrelevant once uh, once all of this stuff came to uh, came to fruition. But T Dub, we have to give that one to us instead of Colby, right? Because we had him at sixteen and seventeen. Colby had him at twenty seven. He really would have moved up closer to us if they would have actually given him official World Golf ranking points. Correct. I definitely think that we were we were more on the money than Colby. I think that's 100% right. So, yeah, point to us. Yeah, point to us. Uh, so, our ninth question was, who will win the Big 12 team championship? That was obviously the Oklahoma Sooners. OSU finished second, and Texas finished third in the Big 12s. Taylor, you and I were both correct. We said OU, and Colby said OSU. Uh, so, point to us on the Big 12 team championship. Uh, and then our 10th question was the NCAA team champion. Unfortunately, that was Texas 3-2 and two over Arizona State. And uh, Taylor, you said OSU. You said the OU would win the Big 12s and OSU would win the national championship. I said OU wins both. And I said over Arkansas in the finals. Terrible pick. Uh, and then Colby said OU as well. He said the same thing you said except in reverse. It's, uh, you know, it, it definitely the team that ended up winning in Texas definitely makes it uh, something that's not really fun to talk about. But, uh, you know, we, you and me were both spot on on our Big 12 uh, champion picks, so good for us. I do wish that you and Colby would have been right on the NCAA national team uh, for OU because watching Texas, Arizona State, this wasn't very much fun at all. But, uh, but yeah, Sam, your, your caveat with uh, over Arkansas in there makes your pick look a little bit worse. Yeah, just a little bit worse. So negative point to me on that one. Uh, T-Dub, so the 11th pick, or the 11th question here is uh, who will win the women's NCAA team championship? Obviously, Stanford 3-2 and two over Oregon at Greyhawk. Taylor, you were right on the money with Stanford. Colby and I both had Oklahoma State. Who could have expected what happened with the Oklahoma State women's golf team when we made those predictions in the fall? That was absolutely insane. T-Dub, the only caveat to your Stanford pick was that you said that uh, you don't think that OSU will win the men's and the women's, so you just have to go with Stanford by default. Oh, well, that well that sucks. We should have left that out because I was really happy with my pick. And, 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 and had I known that they were going to have, what, seven women in the Augusta uh, National Women's Amateur, I think I would have picked them anyway. But, uh, 
but yeah, the transfer portal hit you and Colby stick really, really hard there. And what fair <laughs> went down the tubes. Well, whenever that happened, yeah, that's uh, that that was not uh, made y'all stick any good. But I'm still giving myself points. Game. I don't care if it's by default or not. Our twelfth question here also has to do with Oklahoma State. It says, "Does Ricky Fowler win this year?" Uh, the obvious answer was no. Uh, his best finish came at the special exemption that he got at the PGA Championship where he finished 23rd. Uh, T-Dub, your answer to does Ricky win this year, you said, quote, does Corn Ferry Tour count? Uh, I said 0.0 chance, nowhere in the world where it happens. And Colby said no, but it's not out of the realm of possibility. So I would venture to say that uh, you were probably the closest one on this one. I would think so because <laughs> look at look looking back on our pitch, Sam. I mean, this is this tied third at the CJ Cup just what two months before or whatever. But looking back on his season, he played what twenty something events, and he has a twenty a twenty third at the PGA. He finished twenty first at the Wells Fargo. I mean, it's just other than that, he has thirty eight fiftieth, sixty fourth, miscut, miscut, miscut. He didn't even get into the U.S. Open. Through, through the sectional qualifying. I mean, it's, it's, it's incredible to fall from grace to Ricky Fowler's head. It's absolutely incredible, but he's revising himself getting off of Tiger's jet at the Players' Meeting. Watch Ricky just start coming out and start getting a little on the form that we had back in uh, 2014. Getting in those tournaments with the PIP rankings, right, T-Dub? Uh, in those exhibition <laughs> yeah. tournaments, right? Uh, so, T-Dub, uh, we have four more uh, predictions that we made on January 5th of 2022. Our 13th prediction that we made, the 13th question was, does Rory McIlroy win a major in 2022? The answer was no, but he did have a second at the Masters, an eighth at the PGA a tied for fifth at the U.S. Open, and a third at the Open Championship. Uh, T-Dub, you said yes at St. Andrews, uh, top 10 backdoor at Masters. So, I mean, technically you were right about the backdoor top 10 at the Masters. Uh, You just weren't right about him winning at St. Andrews. That goes to Live Golf's Cam Smith. Uh, I said yes at the U.S. Open. Uh, I said that Rory would win and contend in every single major. I, I think that's pretty right and half right, other than the fact that I said he would win at the U.S. Open. Colby, ironically, said no. Rory McIlroy will not win a major this year, but he will finish top 10 at Augusta. So we were correct that he would contend in the majors that we said. However, you and I are both wrong uh, saying that he would win a major in 2022, T-Dub. I mean, we, we kind of highlighted this a little bit earlier in the show. I mean, that he should have won at St. Andrews, in all honesty. He really should have. I mean, if he just played half what, even just his B, B game on that final round, he, he would have won. So, But me and Colby were both dead spot on with, with the top 10 uh, backdoor at the Masters because, what did he shoot, 64 or 65 holding out of the bunker yep. on 18? So to finish second with Sky Shepherds went off ran away with it. So I don't know. And, and you were even uh, spot on as well, and he'll contend in every major because, like you mentioned, third, fifth, uh, eighth and, and second. It's pretty funny, Sam, that his worst finish in the majors was that Southern Hills when he, he was leading after the first round, which is yeah, something that Roy never does. He fact, was in the driver's seat. He, 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 I mean, he, he was, and you talk about driver's seat, he was hitting the driver so good that week, especially, I mean, all. It was, I mean, he gained 1.51 shots off the tee, which is absolutely incredible. And he gained 2.02 at St. Andrews, but it's just that final round of St. Andrews, Sam, is, is, especially for the majors, that's going to haunt him for a little bit because we have how many ever months till Augusta, and that's already on his mind. So 
I, I think Roy's going to have a little bit of a soul searching to do while he's trying to promote his businesses for the PJ Tour. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so our 14th question that we asked uh, for our season-long predictions was, who will have the best strokes gained total? Who will be number one in total strokes gained on the season? That was Rory McIlroy at 2.115. Number two was Mr. Skill, Matthew Fitzpatrick at 1.792. And uh, Willie Z came in third at 1.767. Uh, TW said it would be John Rahm. He ended the year at number seven in strokes gained at 1.656. You also said it would be a battle between Rom and Cantlay. Cantlay ended the year at ninth at 1.522. Any thoughts on your prediction there? I mean, it was, I, I didn't see the, the, the slight fall from grace that, that John Rom would have. I mean, he didn't have that's a horrible year. It was just not up to his expectations, just not being able to win as much and really just didn't have it going until the last little bit of the year. I think, Sam, someone that we didn't think about in their first game, so it was pretty surprising. But Sunday in ended up sixth in that total, which I thought was something I understand yep. that he had a fairly solid year, but I look back on it. I mean, he finished second in the third championship, uh, finished second at the win, and second at the 3M, 10th at the Memorial, eighth at the Masters. I mean, I think Sunday had a very, very sneaky year this year. Absolutely. And then I said it would be, <laughs> shocker, Colin Morikawa, also Victor Hovland. Colin Morikawa ended 29th in strokes gained. Uh, he gained .978 on the year, and Javi uh, was 34th. He gained uh, .768 on the year. Colby also said John Rahm along with you. Like I said, he finished 7th at 1.656. Uh, Colin Morikawa and Victor Hovland, we went over um, earlier on in those other questions. So, T-Dub, let's bounce forward uh, to who we thought would win each major. Now, I mentioned yours earlier, uh, and obviously Scotty Scheffler wins the Masters, JT wins the PGA, Mr. Skill, Matthew Fitzpatrick wins the U.S. Open, and Cam Smith wins the Open Championship. Taylor, you said Justin Thomas wins the Masters, Morikawa wins the PGA, Justin Thomas wins the U.S. Open, and Rory McIlroy wins the Open Championship. I mean, I, I was, I, I was, I thought JT was going to have a, a really good year. I was a little bit let down with what I saw, but he did get the PGA Championship in there. More Cal, I mentioned earlier, played so bad at the PGA, so that hurts. And Rory should have won at, at the Open. So I, I don't know. I, I mean, the picks weren't absolutely horrible. But uh, I do, I do expect to hopefully at least get one or two whenever we do our season predictions for next year. Absolutely. Uh, by the way, Morikawa was our pick. All three of us on January fifth. Uh, for the PGA Championship, he ended up tied for 55th in that PGA Championship. So my four major winners were Rory to win the Masters, Morikawa to win the PGA and the U.S. Open, Brooks Kepka to win the Open Championship, and then at the end of the show, I switched one of my Morikawa picks at the U.S. Open uh, to John Rahm to win the U.S. Open. So my switch didn't even matter. It did didn't matter whatsoever. They were both uh, non-winners. Colby said that Justin Thomas would win the Masters just like you did, T-Dub. Morikawa, just like all of us, uh, to win the PGA. Then he had Bryson DeChambeau to win the U.S. Open and Patrick Cantlay to win the Open Championship. Any thoughts on Colby's picks there for his four majors? (laughs) Nice Bryson pick for the U.S. Open. That was (laughs) pretty good. But, But Sam, my question for you is, 
You've been on the Cam Smith bandwagon longer than anyone I've I ever know. seen. You didn't predict him to win a major, and he ended up winning one. Do you have any regrets? No, because here's the deal is, number one, those were my picks on January 5th of 2022. I picked Cam Smith to win the Masters where he contended, really had a great shot to win the Masters this past year, just couldn't get it done. And then once the Open Championship came around, all Cam Smith needed for him to finally win a major was for me to not pick him in any of my top three guys or my dark horse. And I didn't do that for the first time ever at the Open Championship, and he wins. So clearly it was because of me uh, hopping off the bandwagon for one week uh, for the good of the team, T-Dub. It was a glue guy move. It was a locker room guy move for me to not do that so Cam could win uh, his first major. Now I'm back on my Cam Smith bandwagon like I started. I'm driving it again. I mean, you getting off the bandwagon essentially made Cam Smith $100 million. So I think you're into some of that <laughs> as a little bit of royalty. 10% at least. Uh, all right, T-Dub. Our I'll la- take 1%. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly right. Uh, T-Dub, our last prediction was our bold predictions for 2022, T-Dub. Your bold prediction was that Justin Thomas wins two majors. Uh, you were halfway right. He won one at the PGA. Almost had it done. It's just, like I say, he, he had a little bit of a disappointing year. But it's all said and done. Not the fact that he's doing a major. I'm talking about in the other events. Uh, that played absolutely horrible first round of the Masters. It's still an efficient T8. So I think he would look back on that, use that as a little bit of momentum. But the last two majors, finishing 37th and 53rd, he would definitely want to see a lot better than that. So, I mean, if he looks back on it, he, he came out with his goals, um, you know, like he does after every single year. And he was about, well, I guess probably 60% or something like that. So that's probably about the year JT had. Especially to win one major. I just expected him to have a great year. And uh, I, I wouldn't consider what he had an absolutely great year. I give it an A minus. All right. T-Dub, my bold prediction was that Victor Hovland would win five times worldwide this year, but no majors. Now, I was correct on the no majors, and I was only two off on his wins worldwide. Here's the caveat. Since January 5th, he hasn't won. So he won three times <laughs> worldwide before then, right? And, and in into the fall season, he won at uh, the Dubai Desert Classic, the Hero World Challenge, and uh, won the Worldwide Technology Championship. However, since I made that pick, he had three wins worldwide. I said he would basically win two more times, and he couldn't do it. He didn't win one more time, T-Dub. I was the kiss of death. I think that the, the chip in the got to him. I mean, I, it's just, it, 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 and it cost your picks because you look back on it at the, at the Bay, at Bay Hill, that's the gate shows around the green there. But even coming down the stretch, we saw that he, he could have been doing a couple of trips. He just hit way past the hole. Then at the Genesis where he finished fourth, he lost strokes gain around the green, finished ninth at the Players' Championship. That may have been the one that is even more highlighted. Lost over half a shot around the greens and lost .67 on the green. So during that stretch, too, Sam, he was just gaining so many shots Approach the green with his irons and off the tee. And then those numbers kind of got a little bit worse because I think he was starting to work on his chipping a little bit more. So he started turning around later in the year. But, uh, but yeah, I think the middle of the season, if he could have had just a little bit better chip in action, he would have, he would have easily got to that five win one. 
Surprisingly, our bold predictions were pretty good, and Colby's was really good. It came really close. He said that Sam Burns will win the most PGA Tour events this year, and he ends up second, one behind Scotty Scheffler, tied for second with uh, three wins. So he had three wins on the year. He won the Charles Schwab, he won the Valspar, and he won the Sanderson Farms T-Dub. That's a pretty good prediction by Colby on that one. I thought it was really good. At, at the time of, of recording that podcast, I was really down on Sam Burns. I thought, oh, well, you know, what does this kid do? I mean, he's not – I mean, he'll, he'll be decent, but he's not going to be an elite golfer. And then I watched him in the PGA Championship, and I'm just absolutely blown away. This kid just absolutely flushes the ball. It's, it's about so pure, so high, and, and so far, one of the prettiest ball flights I've ever seen. And, and then you look at his putting, too. I mean, he's just one of the best putters in the game. Looking all the way back to – from the Arnold Palmer Championship going back, there were only two tournaments where he lost strokes game putting. So not only does the kid absolutely hit the ball great, he, he can make every putt that he looks at. So I'm a huge Sam Burns fan. So at the time, I wasn't a fan of Colby Stick, but looking back on it, it was very spot on. So T-Dub, who would you say was the winner of the predictions? Because I feel like we all got some things really right and some things really wrong. I, I couldn't really pick out a winner, uh, even seeing it written down on paper. I feel like if we gave someone a winner of this, it would be like a participation trophy <laughs> because not, not, none of us feel good enough in our soul to accept winning this. So, uh, no, I think it's going to be two-tie, all-tie, and then now we got Woody going in the next year. So there'll be essentially a carryover going into next year. That's right. I can't wait to see Woody's predictions before the Tournament of Champions uh, that is the Tournament of Qualifiers. T-Dub. I was about to correct you there. Tournament of Qualifiers now. We got to get that right now. That's right. That's right. Uh, T-Dub, great stuff today. We will be back on Sunday for our final radio show on the Sports Animal 98.1, the Sports Animal here in the Oklahoma City area. Join us for that, uh, and then we will be back before the Tournament of Qualifiers uh, on the radio, so we'll take a little hiatus during football season, um, but we will continue to do the two podcasts uh, per week, and we'll also start having our podcast, our 73rd Hole podcast on the Sports Animal app and website as well throughout the wintertime into next year, T-Dub. Did we miss anything today? I think we covered quite a bit. It was very interesting to uh, to see our, what our predictions were last year. I think that uh, we'll, we'll probably, in all honesty, I think we all want to be better, but we'll probably be about the same as we were cause just because they're such hard questions. And I'm really excited for the live event this week. It's an absolutely awesome field at what looks like a pretty cool golf course. So I think we're going to have three days of pretty cool golf and we finally got college football team. It's finally here. The Oklahoma Sooners are kicking off on Saturday. It's going to be so good. I'm so excited. I can't wait. I cannot wait for college football season either. OU going up against UTEP on Saturday. OSU going up against Central Michigan tomorrow night. Uh, So football season is here. It's football eve uh, here on the 73rd hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma.